got mentioned. I am Daniel, the youth pastor. I call myself the middleest elder because I'm not the oldest, I'm not the youngest, don't have the biggest beard, don't have no beard. Do a few things around here. But, what do you say we start this off with a little extra prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are God and you are our Redeemer. This morning, as we open your word, please reveal your truth to us. Reveal yourself to us. Please give us open hearts and open minds that we can hear the truth of who you are and all you have done for us, that we can give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so we are in Ruth chapter 3 today. And we are talking about Ruth. But I'm going to start with some other information, such as romance stories. We live in a world that loves romance, and we have places like Hollywood and our book publishers, even our culture, that love to tell us about love. We get stories about how a boy and a girl find each other. They fall in love. Usually they end up sleeping together and that helps them decide that they want to be together forever. In other words, it's as if these people, Hollywood book publishers are telling us, yeah, relationships are great, but let us tell you how it's done, even if it gets a little spicy, and especially if it helps you overcome your old-fashioned, outdated morals. The majority of our TV shows and movies today not only suggest, but even promote test driving before marriage, if marriage is even necessary. But what is a truly good romance? I like to tell people, <laughs> like to tell, the first part I don't like to tell as much, except that it shows the glory of God. I ended an engagement to a woman 15 years ago, last month. We were all set to get married, and we decided to do, as Christians, what our society says and practice. And then I ended that relationship because I realized, hey, we're not obeying God in a lot of ways. And so I thought, I'm probably never going to get married now because now I just want to seek God. I want what God has for me. I want to be a man after God's own heart. So God, help me be a man who could be worthy of a godly woman, even if I never get married. And then just over six months later, I happened to bump into our wonderful children's director. 
it was pretty cool. Especially since I had had a dream where I was searching for my own Ruth. Somebody who was faithful, compassionate, loved God. Asking myself, can I be a Boaz like that? Even though I had spent many months pursuing God, trying to be the best man of God I could be, or maybe I should say trying to let God make me the best man of God I could be. When I meet Caitlin and three weeks later tell her, by the way, I want to marry you. (laughs) Clearly it didn't work out. No, (laughs) we're actually coming up on 13 years married. But this helps us focus on Ruth. I could tell you so much about our marriage, the things leading up to it, the things that have happened since. But instead, let's look at the example God gave us in Ruth chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. And do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And Ruth replied, All that you say, I will do. We see the beautiful relationship these two women have. It is wonderful. It kind of reminds me of the relationships my wife and I have with our in-laws. I actually call her mom, Mom. We talk to each other regularly, which is helpful for me because... Almost eight years ago, my mom passed away. But even when she was alive, my parents would constantly say, if you mess up this relationship, we're keeping her and getting rid of you. (laughs) But it's not just our parents and each other's siblings we get along with. We have even spent Christmases at our siblings' in-laws' houses. So, like double in-laws or in-laws squared, whatever it is. We, we get along with everybody. It probably helps that I officiated the weddings of her brother and sister. <laughs> Though we've never met my sister-in-law's family together. Anyway, that's a completely different story. No, we see instead a woman who lost everything, but has a wonderful relationship with her daughter-in-law. Makes us ask, would Naomi have truly slipped into full bitterness without her daughter-in-law? Would she have gone as far as to say, what else do I have to live for? I am too old to have more children. God has forsaken me. I have nothing. And maybe you have felt this way. Maybe you feel like nothing right seems to happen 
in your life, maybe only for a season, maybe your whole life feels like nothing right can happen. Maybe you get stuck seeing more of the bad than you see of the good. Like maybe when a president you didn't vote for is elected. Or it looks like World War III could break out at any moment. Or inflation runs rampant. Or you have to take out a third mortgage to pay for the gas just to go to church. You might ask, is there any good left in the world? Does anything good ever happen? What you need is a faithful friend, one who can show you the compassion, who can remind you of the good things in this world, who can help lead you back home. After all, the name Ruth means compassionate friend. We know she helped give Naomi focus. Here's a woman who lost her husband, lost her kids. She was in a land she didn't know, wasn't sure where the next meal might come from. But now, she can help find a way to continue her husband's lineage. More importantly, she can help this young friend of hers, her daughter-in-law, find a husband so that she doesn't end up the same way. And it can sound like the advice she gives her daughter-in-law is quite scandalous. Privately, go to this man at night and lay down with him. But we know we're dealing with honorable, God-fearing people. So we don't have to worry too much, as much as we might see it in our world today. But now, let's shift from just a story about a girl to a girl who goes before a boy or a man. Verse 6 says, So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, <clears throat> he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. It is most likely the end of the barley harvest season. What I found very interesting just yesterday is finding out the barley harvesting season in Israel just ended. And today, they're celebrating the end of the barley harvest season. So like Boaz and his men, we get to celebrate the barley harvest today. 
while we read about it in the book of Ruth. What makes it even more interesting is that it always happened just before the Passover. And what makes this year even more unique is the Passover begins on a Friday at sunset, which means this year, Good Friday, we get to celebrate on the day that made it good and come worship together on the day our Lord rose. So we have these people that we're reading about who are getting ready to celebrate this Passover. And right now, they are celebrating the end of this particular harvest. It might even be, because of the celebration, that the women who have been gleaning are also invited because we know Boaz is a good guy. And hey, come celebrate with us. Come get a little extra free food. That means it wouldn't be strange for a woman to be a little more cleaned up and show up and be there. Not saying she definitely came to the festivities. We do know that after a festive evening, Boaz goes and he lays down near his pile of barley. This shows us he is a good farmer because a farmer protects his investment. He doesn't just send workers out and make sure everything's good. He doesn't make sure it gets harvested and then sits there and, all right, let's go home, see you tomorrow. He stays at the field until the harvesting is done. He waits until the grain has been treated. He waits until it is all stored. This is somebody who is a good steward, a protector of what he has. <clears throat> so here he is when Ruth does as she was told. She goes, she finds him, she uncovers his feet, and he lays down at his feet. Now, many times in the Bible, we know that feet can be an allusion to the reproductive organs of people. But like I said, these are honorable, God-fearing people. They are not going to do something improper. When it says, she uncovered his feet... It means she uncovered his feet. She folds back the hem of his robe that he is using as a blanket. This is not some modern romance story. Nothing untoward happens. But maybe it was when she uncovers his feet. Or maybe he suddenly felt a draft, and his feet got a little cold. Maybe she laid down a little too noisily. Maybe one of his workers, laying several feet away, snored a little extra loud. But suddenly, Boaz wakes up. It's midnight, and he finds Ruth laying at his feet. She has taken the posture of a servant. She basically says, I am property, I am someone who is not worthy of attention, but she is humble, she is contrite, but also bold. Because she asks for his protection. She's basically saying, I don't want just a safe place to glean some food. 
I want you to clothe me with your own clothes. I want you to feed me with your own food from your own plate. I want you to treat me as your own family. It's a marriage offer. Only you can elevate me from nothing to something. And this makes me think of a woman about 1,200 years later. A woman who does not try to cover herself with the hem of her robe, but is so desperate for healing that all she wants is to reach out and touch the hem of a robe. This is a different redeemer, one whose robe not only protects, but heals. I'm talking of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> I think of a story that that Redeemer shares of two men, a Pharisee who boasts before God about his own righteousness, and a tax collector who humbly admits he is a sinner who is nothing who knows there is only one who can elevate him from despair to salvation. It's found in Luke 18. Just like these two with Jesus, Boaz shows his grace and kindness. He calls Ruth daughter and blesses her. He says, yes, you are my family but we also see his admission that he is older. As a redeemer, we know from scripture, you have to be at least a brother of the dead man, but you can be an uncle or a cousin. So he admits here to being older, but we know he can't be a brother of her husband because her husband only had one brother, and they both died. So he could be a cousin or an uncle. It is likely he is either a great uncle, so maybe Elimelech's brother, or he could be a more distant cousin. Either way, it looks like this other man could be Elimelech's cousin or brother, maybe his nephew. Either way, we know Boaz is not that young. He could be as old as Naomi. He could be older. Ruth is probably 16 to 25, because let's remember that Naomi and her family were in Moab for about 10 years. And the marrying age for women at this time was 13 to 18 years, generally. So she could be 16 to 25 years old. Boaz could be as old as 80, which sounds a little weird to our modern ears. Tradition holds that he died soon after 
they had a son together. So who really knows how old either of them are? We do see this big age discrepancy, but it reminds me of a redeemer who is called everlasting father. He is of old. And we see that this kindness is greater than the first. What is the first kindness? More than likely, it is probably that we have a young woman here who could have stayed in her home country, could have stayed with her friends and family. But instead, she forsook her home for her mother-in-law. This is a young woman who has had to work hard to take care of somebody she was barely related to. She probably didn't know Naomi for 10 years. It was probably only one or two years. But she took care of somebody she's barely related to, a young woman who could have looked for some young stud who could have helped take care of other needs. But instead, she's still thinking not only of her own needs, but of her mother-in-law. So Boaz promises to make sure she is taken care of, even if it could potentially look like some impropriety may have happened. But he's going to do his best to minimize that appearance of sin. It reminds me of a man who tried to look out for a girl who claimed God gave her a son. He was going to quietly divorce her so that she wouldn't suffer too much more shame. but then adopts that son as his own. Reminds me of a man who made sure his own mother was cared for while he died on a cross, saying to John, this is your mother, and to Mary, this is your son. And he did this while he hung on a cross for crimes he did not commit. But Boaz is not done yet. This is not just the story of a girl. This is a story of hope for a girl. Back in Ruth, chapter 3, verse 14. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley, and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Boaz means swiftness. We see he makes a plan. And before dawn, he makes sure they're both awake so that they can avoid the look of impropriety. He provides food for both Ruth and Naomi. He makes sure they're taken care of today and for a little while longer. But then... He also makes sure 
it's clear, hey, you tell your mother-in-law, I'm going to take care of this. And how long does he wait? Soon as they leave, he goes into town. We read in chapter 4. He finds ten witnesses, and he goes and finds that closer redeemer. He gets it settled right away. He does it swiftly. But as Christians, we know the Old Testament is a story. It is a bunch of shadows that points to something greater that was coming. So the story of Ruth is not just the story of a girl who had a hard life and then found blessing. This is a shadow of the story of another girl. Because in the beginning was a girl. She was tempted by evil. And her husband would not protect her. There was a girl whose husband, brother-in-law, and father-in-law all died, but she found a man who could protect her. There was a girl who found a man and then gave birth to the son of man. There is a girl who has felt abandoned, who may have at times abandoned others, but her Redeemer came for her. He provided for her. He saved her. This girl is the church. She is all of the redeemed of the Lord. She is all the saints of God, the beloved, who humbly, boldly approach their Redeemer, knowing they are unworthy of attention, not even worthy to be a slave. but who seek his mercy and his grace. As we approach this Passover, this Resurrection Sunday, may we faithfully glean from the sown word of God sown by the faithful writers and fellow servants, sown by our very Redeemer himself. May we seek the favor of our Redeemer knowing he has been faithful. That while we long to reach out and just touch the hem of his robe, he stretched out his wings. And redeemed us, his bride. And all we have to do is ask. This life may be hard. We may face our struggles 
our hurts, our disappointments, our failings. We may fail. We may feel abandoned. We may abandon. We may feel lost. We may hurt others. But we have a Redeemer. One who provides for us. One who protects us. We, the church, are his bride. He longs to be with us. He has not been sitting idly by waiting. He has gone to his Father's side to prepare a place for us. He is waiting for us by still doing hard work. But he has not left us alone as we see in Revelation when he comes back there will be a marriage feast this will not be a feast we have to sneak into that we have to try and hide that we are coming to we are invited and what will that sound like we will hear what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints." He has given us work to do. We glean from his word that we may take those gleanings home, that we may share those gleanings with our family, with our neighbors, sharing his bounty with those around us. These are our good works. And how do we say it around here? What is the vision? What is the mission of the church next door? All right, live a full life in Jesus and bring others along for the ride. Or as the Bible puts it in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the greatest love story. Ruth and Boaz were just a little picture of it, a vision of a simple story of a girl. Yet we are part of the greatest story, the story of the redeemed in Christ. Let us remember that. Let us proclaim it to the world. Because we are redeemed in Christ.